Last time on Video Night. <laughs> How dare you! And now. Video Night. Hey, Andrew. Michael. All right, this month, I want something to discuss. Something serious. Something like really frustrating and fun and confusing and exciting. And I wanted to have something special. Something with balls. Hey, I was going to say that. I was going to suggest something with balls. Shiny chrome metal balls. All right, so we're discussing Balls of Fury starring Christopher Walken. <laughs> What? <laughs> We're discussing fear with Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> what? We're discussing. We're discussing Raiders of the Lost no. Ark. No. <laughs> That's not metal. That's just a big old stone ball. No, no, no. Well, I just, uh, it's all about yeah. balls. Right. Move you up, balls. Well, this is phantasm. Is it a nightmare? Whatever it is. If this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead. Phantasm. All of them except for the last. You know, every time I hear the word phantasm, I think about the trailer for Beastmaster, where at the end he says, and all that is phantasmagorical. I'm like, whoa, $10 word here. Hold on a second. And then you realize it's Don Coscarelli as the director, so he had to have been part of it. Yes, yes, I think so too. All right, phantasm. I wasn't kidding. This is a frustrating franchise, a confusing franchise, but also really wild and creative and scary and fun for the most part. Yes. We're doing this in anticipation of the final chapter. I'm assuming it's the final chapter. Ravager, which we've been waiting forever for. Right. Since 2014, it's been in the can. Well, it's not just that. It. Well, we had part four in 98, and then they said there was going to be Phantasm's End, which is what Roger Avery was working on. And then my friend Stephen Romano, who did the artwork for the Trash Cinema, he was writing a sequel with Don for a while, and it just didn't take off. They were going to remake it, and they said, no, he didn't want to give the rights over to New Line Cinema, so he's going to finish the series. It's out in like two weeks, probably today as we finally post this right well i think there's something brewing over at bad robot because see bad robot took the original which we'll get into soon and remastered it and that's what's hitting the theaters right now yeah also hitting the theaters right now is ravager but the remastered first i think jj because jj really likes this i think jj was really trying to sweeten up a deal for don to just hand him the rights or sell him the rights or something so jj can take it and develop it into something i think it should be a tv series. i was gonna stop thinking my thoughts dude boy <laughs> i can read your mind yes because i think it would be a, an amazing tv series especially especially <laughs> that's not a word <laughs> Oh, <laughs> make it up words again. <laughs> especially is just especially if. That's actually all it is. Especially. And then I don't have to say if. So it's I feel like we should bail right now. We've already <laughs> gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially if it's done in the way that Netflix is handling TV series or maybe American Horror Story, they get a little harder on the edge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Expand can- the mythology. Build their world. Build their cast. Yeah. You know, it's always been really slim, mostly because of budget. But if you look at these sequels, like each one gets increasingly like, oh, there's only four people in this movie. Oh, okay. And there's always like one girl in there who always seems to be changing with every, uh, like, oh, she's actually a phantasm. Of all right, wait, wait, wait. All right, all right, all right. And I had a schedule, sir. Yes. Real back. No. Phantasm 1. I'm going to just say, when I first saw it, meh, meh. Meh, meh, meh. Yeah. Eh. 
that was years ago though that was like almost 10 years ago when i first saw it and i'm like meh this time i watched it again and i really realized how groundbreaking this movie is how genre bending it combines science fiction and horror and it feels like it's a halloween film even though it's not set during halloween it feels like a movie that should always be on tv during halloween yeah i feel like it should i that's when i actually saw it for the first time was on the tnt monster fest i think or it was part of joe bob's drive-in double feature thing that he used to have on tnt well well let's let's go through the halloween earmarks you have grave robbers from another dimension fortune teller lady you have a lot of yellow goo the kid that's constantly crying wolf or what it seems to be crying wolf killer dwarves are we sure we're not describing an ed wood movie here yeah yeah grave robbers from outer space is plan nine but then he changed it to plan nine from outer space but yeah it seems like there's all these tried and true horror earmarks that are just thrown into a blender with alternate dimension stuff which is hardly ever done in 1978 79 you know no no well horror movies had kind of faded away into basically studio films that were always like exorcist kind of amityville omen i was always about satan and ghosts and this was like new ground yeah slash movies had just started with halloween the year before well technically black christmas but it really hadn't become a staple for a couple more years so it was this is like just out of nowhere this weirdo independent film that and just, uh, and it isn't a slasher but it has fright scare moments and it does have stabby bits the first movie <laughs> i just keep thinking about the spraying of blood out the, the forehead just, well well the, the stabby time, bits like, hold the, on a second the strange thing about this movie it's a boy who keeps witnessing weird stuff happen at a graveyard that he keeps on riding his bike through and by and stuff and he also witnesses the undertaker which is angus scrim the guy who says boy as you have been saying no he does not say boy he says boy <laughs> right you play a good game boy right i want to get into the game part in a moment but he witnesses this guy somehow he's like he's just creeped out by him but he keeps on witnessing what other dwarves and the minions digging graves and stuff or as i like to call them jawas from hell yeah which end up being people that have been harvested beginning of the movie has his big brother's friend timmy tommy tommy getting it on with the blonde lady and she ends up stabbing him to pieces that's the slasher moment yes 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 this is interesting coscarelli didn't have technology to do this back then but the stabby lady transforms into the tall man which is the undertaker and then back to the stabby lady and it's all done by clip 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 editing style and i was like what when i watched that this time i was like i so the tall man is the the hot chick who seduces the dude stabs him and then takes his dead body and then does whatever to make him a, a dwarf eh? <laughs> why okay so he kills people shrinks them down into which, these little containers yes i don't understand okay so he shrinks them down so they can fit in his dimension which actually contradicts with a lot of the stuff that happens well maybe it doesn't no oh, oh, hold, hold on okay he shrinks the bodies down so he can ship them off to his dimension which other than him the rest of anybody that is his minion or slave in that dimension needs to be short because of the gravity if you're tall it'll just crush you so he preemptively crushes the people down then why is he how how do you shrink a person down well later in another episode they talk about that we'll get into that later a giant dehydrator and 
something. I don't know. But he's tall. Yes, he is tall. But so why is he crushing? Yeah, you know what? It's all coming up later. So, you so keep this talking, movie, I'll just keep nodding my head. The yep. first movie is everybody thinks that a boy cries wolf. And it ends up being the adventures of the 14-year-old boy, his older brother, and his older brother's older friend. Stopping whatever madness this is. And like I said, it's a Halloween sort of thing. And it's also, there's an article floating around, so I'm not going to take credit for this. It's also a little bit like Dune. How? Well, there's a scene with the fortune teller lady. Michael, grandmother wants to play a little game. Put your hand in the box. Put your right hand in the box. What's in it? What's in the box? Just put your hand in the black box. Okay, but... What's in it? Hey. Hey, this thing really hurts. Your instinct will be to remove your hand from the box. I can't get my hand out. Don't fear. You'll feel an itching there. Now, the itching becomes burning. Heat upon heat upon heat. Silence! Silence! Don't fear. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is a little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. Give me back my hand! The pain! Enough! Take your hand out of the box and look at it. It was simply a reflection. Fear is the killer. That's what grandmother wants you to learn. Boy, that really hurt. It was all in your mind. Oh, yeah. She does all that stuff, which is also in Dune. Now, Dune, the movie, came out years later in 1984, but it's all in the book, Dune. So there's that scene, which is very Dune, even down to the Bene Gesserit witch. So there's that, and the orbs are the sort of hunter-killer things also in Dune that note your motion and then go straight after you and try to kill you. And they're flying objects. There's more to it. He's like the chosen one. That's a Dune motif as well. That's very interesting. Dune was very popular in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, I you watched that documentary on... Jodorowsky. Dune. Yeah, how he almost got David Carradine. I was like, no. <laughs> but it still would have been too weird, I think, for mainstream audiences to get. And they still would have lost it. I'm actually... I'm really satisfied with the David Lynch one, even though a lot of people aren't. I really like no, it. Oh, I prefer the miniseries. I, I Nah, I don't. Too fakey looking. But anyway, <laughs> that's a digression. This movie has earmarks that are like Dune. It has a lot of... Like I said, Halloween-ish things. Empty graves and little monsters running around. It also has a weird fly bug. Yeah, it definitely sits for its time. Like, oh, that was a low-budget 70s movie to afford that effect. But I think it still works in what it's what's, trying What's to interesting do. about that scene, that scene is him finally convincing his brother that there's some weird crap going on. And he has the finger of the tall man put it in a box, and he's trying to show his brother, and it eventually turns into a fly. So then his brother's like, okay, <laughs> let's take this to Reggie his friend and then and they fight him the story is presented as if it's a boy's crazy imagination at the same time as the boy in the so-called real world dealing with his brother's death because yeah. his brother apparently dies in a car accident and so it teeters between reggie constantly saying like that tall man of yours did not take jody away jody died in a car wreck and then having to deal with the tall man mystery and strangeness, which is the kid's possible coping mechanism. By the second movie, we learned that the tall man stuff is real and that his brother didn't die in a car accident. Do we find out in the second one or is that the third one when we find out his brother didn't die in the car accident? Because I don't think they even mention him in the second one. Every movie has a recap. 
Okay. So it literally has a last time on Phantasm. It's the uh, John G. Albertson rule. You know, the way he did it with Rocky and uh, Karate Kid. You know, they all kind of flow together. It's not just sequels. These are uh, one huge tale. Episodes. So the bigger story really is about Mike, the kid, and the tall man. And the tall man, for whatever reason that has still not been explained, needs mike to complete whatever it is that he is doing yeah which you don't know at all during the first one ever the first one i always view it as a nightmare his brother dies he's asleep and he's having this reoccurring nightmare over and over and over that's why it seems so dreamlike and unreal yes and it's it's yes. the most dreamlike of the entire series four is a little dreamlike but definitely the first one you feel like it's a nightmare that you're witnessing that you can't help him and you're just watching this thing occur and it's, that's what's scary about it is like is this real or is this not real is he awake or is he not that's the only one of the series that i think is actually scary yeah well <laughs> not to undermine you being scared or anything but i've never been scared at a movie i've been tense I've been creeped out. This has plenty of creep out things. Yeah, there's a scene where he chops off his fingers and he gives this howl. It's so yeah. human that it's like, oh, no, that's that's unnerving as hell. What right. is that? Yeah, unnerving stuff, but scare whatever you're talking well, no, to I a don't stone jump. wall here. I'm an, an emotionless robot most Apparently, of the time. I have a sense of dread whenever I watch that first one. It's really successful that it does that to a lot of viewers. Yeah. But I'm an anomaly. So I watched Jaws when I was six and I was enthralled. I wasn't scared. Ah, you're nuts. I won't even go near water. I wouldn't go in a pool without thinking there's a shark in there first. I'm like, this thing's only four foot deep. I know it's in here somewhere. Yeah. I know, I'm weird. And I wasn't even one of these kids that's like, yeah, yeah, give me the hardest stuff you got, faces of death, come on. Give me all the gore and stuff. No, I don't, no, but things just don't scare me like that. I've never been a huge fan of gore, but if you do it in a creative way that I've never seen before, whether it's either groundbreaking in special effects or the idea is unique, you have my interest. Sure. I'm not like, I want to see blood and guts everywhere, I just want to see gore. I'm not a freak like that. Well, yeah. okay, so I just, we just lost half our listeners, but seriously, <laughs> no. do that. I really like inventive and strange. If it happens to be gory, then I'm fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't seek out the gore. Don't worry. Back to the story. He and his brother, who's still alive at this point, always, I guess, they hang the tall man. And for some reason, the kid goes back and sets him free. The tall man says, Cut me down, boy. No. Cut me down. No. I won't hurt you. You're killing the world! I'll go away, and I won't ever come back. Will? Yes. And then he goes home and is grabbed through the mirror by the tall man, so that it's like all for naught. Cliffhanger, or that's actually could have been the very end. It was one of the first things where it ends on a nihilistic note. Yeah. And is this the first rubber reality horror film, would you say? I don't know. So I feel like this is a heavy influence. Most people will say that Nightmare on Elm Street is the first rubber reality, and I feel like it wouldn't really exist in the same way if Phantasm wasn't already out. Oh, I think Phantasm influenced Nightmare on Elm Street in that, especially the first one, was very surreal. Like you said, it's very much like he's in and out of dreams. Yeah. But since there's sequels it does away with the fact that his brother died and more like him coping with his brother disappearing now and less the death of so that moves us into the second one for 10 years the secret of Paragord cemetery has remained a mystery now three innocent people are about to discover the 
ultimate evil. We've got to warn people. This summer, the ball is back. Phantasm 2. It's only a dream. No, it's not. Rated R. In which Mike is replaced by the actor James Legros to everybody's dismay, even though he did a fine job in the movie. Yeah, before this, let's say he had some success with Beastmaster, and then he was actually attached to Silver Bullet. I didn't discover this until last week. Did you know that he directed the first two weeks of Silver Bullet and then quit? No. Yeah, it's Dino De Laurentiis was in an argument with Stephen King and Carlo Rambaldi about how the werewolf should look for the movie. Dino, who had bought Cycle of the Werewolf, had seen the werewolf in that book and said he wanted the werewolf to look just like it did in the book, which is absolutely fantastic, and in my mind is one of the greatest werewolves ever designed. He wanted that, and Stephen King and Carlo wanted something that was more ambiguous, something you couldn't exactly tell what kind of animal it was. That's why it kind of looks like, you know, a bear on steroids, and <laughs> I mean, it, it's a terrible looking werewolf. They made a, a poor decision, in my opinion. They kept fighting about it, and finally, it was two weeks into shooting, Don Coscarelli's like, where's the costume? We need to start shooting this, and they couldn't agree, so he goes, you know what? You guys figure this out. I'm leaving. So that's why they hired guy who directed silver bullet has never directed another movie again he just does tv stuff he did tv stuff before that he must have been just somebody who was ready to go right then and there no questions asked okay yeah yeah that's why there's such a long gap between beastmaster and phantasm 2 and i think maybe him walking off a of silver bullet probably left a bad taste in hollywood's mouth about uh dealing with him that he might be a difficult director uh, so right. i can see why I'm, I'm just reading into it and after all those years when he never intended for there to be a sequel to phantasm that all of a sudden you see right right well let's go back to making something that he knows how to make or that he's got some sort of passion behind yeah and so, so and he does universal studios was one of the only only studios out there without a franchise and so they thought phantasm was going to be their you know their big pickup because the first one did well for a tiny budget movie and it didn't exactly set the world on fire but it made its money back yeah so this one is strange it gets stranger i think they're now driving through the back roads of america seeking out the tall man Boy. who goes from town to town. All right, the tall man is Walmart. This could very well be a Walmart metaphor. <laughs> really? Well, that makes sense because he always goes to these little small towns with small populations. And if you're thinking of that, he is the big box store wiping out the little stores. Yes. And then moving on. And that town is a desiccated corpse of a town. It's empty. I thought about this towards the third movie, I think. But the second one, Mike is having visions of this blonde girl. I think he wants me to come to him. Why you? I'm not the only one. There's others. There's a girl. She's drawn to him, too. But I'm telling you, man, without her help, she's gonna die. He's gotta be stopped, and I'm going after him. I know I can find him. But to kill him, I'm gonna need your help. And he and this blonde girl are hanging out together in their dreams. Both of them are aware of each other, and they're both seeking each other out at the same time as looking for the tall man. There's also a hitchhiking brunette that shows up, but she's also in his dream as a corpse on a slab. When they meet up with the blonde girl the first time, it's just a version of the blonde girl. Liz, what has he done to you? Rich, this is the one I was telling you about, the, the girl my... And she has a mutation growing out of her back, a monster. Oh, right, right, yeah, that is one truly disturbing imagery. It's great, it's interesting, but it's the first and only time that sort of thing is presented to us. It's a, it's a Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger kind of thing. you think Kevin Yager would have been the guy behind it, because it kind of has his style. Yeah, it's actually the tall man's face. It pops out of her back and says something. You play a good game, boy. 
Come east if you dare. And then they burn her. And I'm like, wait, are you sure? That's not just her with the affliction? No, it's just a, a monster that the tall man created just to screw with them. But the first movie, at the end of it, he says, You play a good game, boy. But the game is finished. Now you die. This whole thing has been a game and fun for the tall man messing around with the kid, but ultimately for some reason he needs the kid in all the future episodes i don't understand why he even plays the game if it's just a game come on that dude's busy have you seen his slate every day he's like oh god i got a whole town to wipe out i don't have time to mess around with this kid right well i can't help myself (laughs) yeah i know it's it's strange so things need to be reeled in and sharpened and honed if they're going to continue this story or reboot it or something it needs to be really distilled into its perfect parts and then expanded as you said he says he didn't want to remake it, but I feel like it's a series that needs to be remade because I truly feel that he's making up as he goes along. He has no yeah, real plan. Well, I think, yes, I think he has a little bit of a, a through line, but probably more so than the Lost series. But it seems strung together like the Lost series in that the next episode, oh, I have enough money now to make another movie? Uh, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second. What if it's this? What if everybody's dead? I mean, they're in purgatory. The, the world that we see in phantasm is not our world it's purgatory and basically the tall man is there to make you go to which you know up or down you know hmm. Uh, hmm. that's a good theory and that's why oh, maybe there's a mass accident you know there's like a bomb that went off like nuclear holocaust and you know most of the population has been wiped out and that's why at the beginning of the first movie you see all these no it's like normal life it's all these people they're in their own yeah. purgatory until they're sorted out because there's so many of them at once and then it's just like these leftover people that are supposed to go either you know heaven or hell i don't know i, I feel like like he's been dead the whole time i watch all four of these movies and i feel like mike's been dead the entire time okay. not jody jody was hold on jody reggie and mike are all dead jody is the first one to ascend to wherever he needs to go and then he's like his guardian angel he comes down and con- he can contact with him but he can't really get involved and then mike and reggie are stuck in purgatory Hmm, interesting. Well, okay, back to the second story. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Second story has taller grave robbers, and it still has dwarves. It's got more balls. Yes, it's... Balls with different powers. Yes, they have... Okay, in the first one, we didn't even really talk too much about the orbs. The orbs are weapons that fly through the air, and they have prongs and stab you, and then uh, a drill comes out, and siphons your brain goo, whatever, and it just spits it out like a fountain. That's reprised in the second one and the third one, and the fourth one always but in the second one they start developing more attributes actually in all of them each one has different attributes sometimes they have lasers yeah. sometimes they have buzzsaw buzzsaws you know if you need to do some brain work and you know on the side do some carpentry the second one is a chase movie but it's it's not got lots of meaty moments it just has the through line it's pretty easy story it does have everything blowing up at the end and they think that they get away and kill the i feel man. like this obviously it's a studio film so it's the most streamlined i think of the four yes and you can feel there's influences throughout there's there's some nightmare on elm street thrown in there i feel like there's some you know bruce campbell evil dead stuff thrown in there we don't oh well shotgun, the there's, there's a, a reference to a mrs Ramey in uh, is there now yes in in the mausoleum there's a placard that says mrs sam Ramey," <laughs> which i find it funny that they say mrs sam Ramey." i've never caught that this whole time oh. yeah yeah i caught it once my life has meaning now <laughs> <laughs> so he has respect for his contemporary filmmakers horror filmmakers yeah. the brunette didn't exactly die 
it seems. But she does end up being the cliffhanger monster, haha, nihilistic ending sort of thing. They're in the front of the car, and Reggie's like, finally, we get to make out even more, haha. And then she tugs on her hair, and part of it falls off, and her scalp is showing, like her skull, all gory. And he's like, yeah. no! And then she starts slapping him around. Cut, but, uh, cut to the end, you know. Yeah, Mike gets sucked out the back of the hearse, and that's how the movie ends. Right, right, yeah. So um, that's yeah, it. I think the, the action on this, the beats, the pacing, uh, especially for two and three, are so much better in the first and fourth one. They're more popcorn entertainment than like thought provoking, head scratcher, kind of like expand your horizons kind of thing. I feel like as, as entertaining two and three are, it also is too mainstream, like too by the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Well, Phantasm three. Phantasm, the delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit, a ghost. For most of his life, a young man has been pursued by a sinister force. Now he must learn the secret of the ultimate evil. Now it is time for you to come back to me. And remember, if this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead. Phantasm 3 has the tall man fondling an orb. I say fondle. He's thumbing the orb's brain. Oh, yeah, we haven't even talked about that. The little tiny brains. Yeah. So those brains are actually smaller than the brains that go into the dwarves. The, why are there brains in there? Phantasm <laughs> 3 gets into it. This is the answer part that you asked earlier. There's a part where Mike is watching the process that the tall man does to a corpse. For some reason, there's still a soul or some sort of mechanism inside of any old corpse that he digs up. I don't know. And he puts him on a slab and there's some sort of machine with arms poking at it which is supposed to make it shrink i don't know how it works it's just fake sci-fi looking sciencey things but at the same time he removes most of the brain well not at the same time it's after the guy's shrunk because his brain needs to shrink too and the brain shrinks <laughs> into the size of like a softball or a little bit smaller and he puts that inside the orb which is its little floaty home still don't ask me how that works i mean there's no instructions the brain automatically knows how to steer and use its weapon <laughs> weaponry and yep. knows its job. It's just a brainless brain minion. It does what the tall man tells it to do. Yes, did they reveal I can't remember if they revealed in the second or third one that also the tall man has some sort of telekinetic powers. Yeah. So see, I think he's just winging it. Winging it as he goes because a lot of this just keeps being added on and on and there's no real explanation. It's just ah, he can do anything he wants. Everything. He can travel through dimensions. He can die and come back. He can, you know, a ball burst out of his skull. And Oh wait, is he a ball the whole time? <laughs> okay. This is a lot of work, by okay. the way. This is a ton of work by yes, one man. He has no real team member. You don't see the little Jawa guys right. helping him. More people show up. Okay, here goes. Reggie rescues Mike from the hospital, and Jody appears, Jody Big Brother, and transforms into an orb. He gets zapped trying to help him, and then the regular story happens. Uh, Reggie runs off. Mike is somewhere else. The regular story happens until Reggie sees a lady, which looks like a hooker, and he tries to help her, and then she turns around with a gun, points it at his face. What are you doing here? Are you talking to me? Well, I, I don't see anybody else around here. Well, I'm just helping myself. These folks left all their stuff. Can you believe that? Lord above. Why, well, look what I just found. Do you think it's loaded? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was fun. Two other 
hoodlums come up her boyfriend and some guy who's got a leisure suit so leisure suit larry and dollar sign he's got a dollar sign necklace and hooker so hooker leisure suit larry and dollar sign all right dollar sign's a bigger tougher dude it's like he robbed a rapper (laughs) because they're bandits they're on the road stealing from people and breaking into houses but they knock reggie out for some reason and put him in the trunk and then they go and find a house randomly and try to rob it which is your home alone situation now take it away home alone situation home alone situation that makes it sound like some sort of weird fungus yeah so he gets this home alone situation where this cute little precocious kid and he has all these deadly weapons like razor blades on a frisbee and stuff like that and you're just like what is going on this is the one where i was texting you this movie is nuts this movie just took a turn for the crazy because the bandits walk in dollar sign is like oh it's just a couple of old people and pulls out a gun and shoots one and it falls over and it's just a dummy with a creepy clown mask on there's lots of clowns all over the place they turn around and they look upstairs and there's a clown across the ceiling but this clown also has knives sticking out of it and they're like what they go for the door and the clown swings down and slashes dollar sign just barely and he's like what the hell and then there's a kid with a clown mask and then leisure suit comes up behind the kid and grabs him and the kid pulls out a hatchet and hacks leisure suit in the leg and throws the axe at dollar sign and dollar sign steps out of the way and the axe oh that's right hits the hooker in the head she falls down dead dollar sign and leisure suit are befuddled for a second like what the hell just happened the kid runs out they go after the kid and now it's a mexican standoff sort of it's like an old west scene the guy has a gun pointed at the kid doesn't shoot him but he's threatening to shoot him and the kid says stop or i'll throw this you think we're playing games kid this is for real so is this which is a frisbee with razor blades. There's a big arc throw, and the guy's like, that whatever. And it slashes Dollar Sign's neck. Now you've done it, you little bastard. What are the chances? Honestly, I've thrown frisbees a million times. It's so hard to get the right angle. And you know, just to flow right into the back of his head or something, right in the throat. Yeah, what are the chances? Movie. So dollar sign is dead, but those three end up being pre-shrunk minions. Which is a brand new rule. Well, wait, no. What about the two guys that were in the second movie? They were... The, the humans. The, they were like morticians. Were they evil morticians? Yes, were they, they were. they like brain... You're right. There were some workmen in the first one. They had overalls. And they were kind of ghouls. That's in the right. second one, I don't remember the coveralls guys, but I do remember the mortician types. They're wearing black suits and black ties, white shirt. Do you think that the tall man had to sign up with like an employment agency to get some temporary hires? <laughs> like, clearly he hadn't been there a long time to establish a business or do you think those guys just go around with it from town to town or does he have to go all right well tax rules require that i have to hire some local people first in order (laughs) in the second one we really learn that it's an alternate dimension situation happening so i don't think those rules apply to his methods those are always a cheat aren't they just get away with it always all right alternate reality i'll sit with you for a while so the kid finds reggie in the trunk 
pops him out and then they have this whole i don't trust you i don't trust you do i trust you do you trust me i guess we trust each other moment <laughs> and then they go on to find a mausoleum and they meet a couple of tough soul sisters who are also ex-military the survivor of this little sequence here is one of my favorite characters in the whole series and it's a shame that she's only in this one sure but hold on her buddy when the orb just shows up right there everything works really quickly in this one too the orb just comes down the hall they're like get out of here come on let's go she just turns and stands and then gets hit in the head with the orb and the same old orb thing happens where it spits out part of her brain and she falls over has anybody ever been not in the forehead have they ever been hit in the side of the head the back of the head in the ear like oh crap you know what i mean do they have like guidance systems <laughs> to tell them where to go <laughs> accidentally bounce it into somebody they did start shooting them and they did wobble around at some point the wobbly spheres were pretty cool yeah well i think she hits them with nunchucks too. yeah oh right the surviving chick she has nunchucks Nunchucks! And she starts knocking around with nunchucks. It's awesome. And then they all team up together and Reggie totally wants to get it on with her because it seems like in every movie, Reggie has never gotten laid. Yeah, it's disturbing that he's so unbelievably pervy. I mean, I guess that person obviously exists in society, but I would like, look, hold on a second. I know the apocalypse is going on. Everybody around us is dying, but could you control your wiener for just a moment, okay? We got death everywhere. Stop thinking of that. But he's, he's in a way, seemingly a counterpart part two evil dead's ash the eventual ash especially ash versus the evil dead's ash he seems to be akin to that except not as charming not as funny sorry reggie banister but he does have a little bit of a charm to him but geez his hair i'm not talking about being bald because he has a big old bald cap but his hair is long in the back just shave it all off just shave it all off it looks so it much does cooler. seem strange that he keeps sticking to that ponytail you think he'll cut it off for the new one <laughs> no i don't think he will so, character yeah it's standard it's not like he's gonna go metallica on us all the horror fans what no we need that ponytail Ugh, i'm not gonna watch phantasm anymore we all have ponytails just like it well, wouldn't it be terrible if he showed up if he did cut his hair for ravager and all these people show up for the world premiere and they're like but we're dressed like the old reggie damn it <laughs> you're right uh, but anyway so so Reggie wants the bone. There's the handcuff gag, which is pretty clever. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. She, you, you think that she's finally given in, and all she's like, time. all right, all right okay let's let's get it on but my way and she then handcuffs him to the bed and then rolls over goes to sleep this movie has an orb with an eyeball in it i like seeing the new orbs <laughs> what do they come up with next this one has an orb with an eye that pokes well, out and they just walks around like the puppet master kind of creatures it just has little tiny legs and it'll go up your leg and then it'll drill your balls but also in that scene with the process it's revealed that mike has orb eyes yeah that was a surprise after a few movies that he has a orb in his head and he has orb eyes so is he multi-orbs in one or does the one orb in his skull control him what does it all yeah, mean I don't what know. does it all mean this also flashes back this movie needs the first movie this movie flashes back to the first movie when they try to figure out how to stop the tall man first movie has a scene where tall man walks by reggie's ice cream truck and kind of stops because the cold of the ice cream truck is wafting over him and he's just like, hmm, hmm. I do not like cold. And he just stops. So to Mike as a kid, he's like, wait, 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 wait. He doesn't like cold. Okay, file that away for later. Later comes, which is in episode three. And by the end of the movie, they run him through and put him in a freezer where they stop him that way. They freeze the tall man. But then they turn around and there are thousands of orbs and they pin Reggie to the wall. The end! No! Not cliffhanger. Okay, four. Phantasm, the delusion of a disordered mind. 
a phantom, a spirit, a terrifying motion picture experience. For 20 years, the secret of the spheres has remained a mystery. Now, two innocent people are about to confront the ultimate evil. The final game, I'll begin. The sci-fi horror film with balls. Phantasm 4. Four, all of a sudden they erase half the cast. Now Reggie recounts one through three. <laughs> yes, leaving out all the supporting characters. Where he came from, nobody knows. His evil spread like a plague, destroying towns, maiming and killing. We called him the Tall Man. First we thought he was just an undertaker. His hordes pillaged graveyards, rooted up the bodies, and spirited off the dead to a place worse than hell. We were just three friends. Jody was taken from us, turned by the Tall Man into an alien form. His younger brother, Mike, I've tried to protect as he's grown. The tall man wants to transform him into one of his kind. My name is Reggie. I was an ice cream vendor by trade. Now, I'm a soldier. A soldier in a war against his army of the living dead. On his own, Mike fled into the wastelands, trying to escape the transformation that was taking place inside him. His only hope somehow uncovered the mysteries of the Tall Man. As for me, I was left deep in the catacombs of the Tall Man's lair. Yeah, what happened? The girl from the second one is gone. Girl and the little boy from part three are gone. Did they, well, they the did... girl from the second one, she got messed up in the car accident at the beginning of the third oh, one. I didn't remember that. When Mike gets pulled out of the car, the car wrecks and Reggie gets thrown from the car as well. Reggie comes up to the wreckage and he sees her and her face is messed up. Oh, that's right. I told totally you that. She dies. Which makes the whole Starcross Lovers sort of thing of the second movie useless and Hopefully. null. Yeah. Those psychic powers are gone. Yeah, the much like the TV show Lost where they kept on pulling things out from under you just to make you go, what? Or just because they couldn't secure an, the actor or because of other behind the scenes things are just making decisions and you're just like, why are you doing this? That's, I just spent time with that other season or this other movie. And now this next movie says that other movie is like needless now? What? Why? Toying with our emotions. Frustrating series. You know why this irritates me so much is because you almost feel like you could just watch one and three and two wouldn't even matter. Which yeah. means you, you wasted your time. Yep. <sighs> so four. Four. Four, four no starts budget. with. No budget at all. Jody shows up. And he's a dude again, and Reggie is super annoyed. And then he's like, "We forgot to mention that in three, that Jody is an orb that can change into a human form." Yeah, Jody appears and transforms into an orb. That I didn't leave it out. They get zapped. Remember, he gets zapped, and he's just this ball that's supposed to be telling them where to go. That's what I left out. He's a psychic, dusty old orb that's all kind of black and like uh, electrocuted. He's still a little bit of Jody, though. He can tell you which direction to go. Which he does. Is he Jody or is he the orb with the ability to mimic the look? I mean, he could just be a holograph as far as you know. Do they actually make physical contact? He could be an orb who's fighting the tall man. And he takes the persona of Jody so that Mike can understand, will we'll trust and uh, believe him. Because there's a moment in part four where he actually finds out that it's not Jody, that Jody's been dead this whole time. Well, first, Hellcop shows up. Do you remember Hellcop? 
Yep. Hellcop from Highway to Hell. Almost the exact same special effect, isn't it? They look very similar. Highway to Hell, he has, instead of tattoos, they're carving scars in his head. And it's like pentagrams and other things that say Satan rules or whatever. It's like a metalhead, 14-year-old's notebook scrawl. But it's all in, it's all scars on Hellcop's face and head. This is very reminiscent of it, but it's more Freddy Krueger burns. The cop pulls Reggie over. Reggie has it to do with the cop. You know, the thing is that the cop thing is almost pointless. It just feels like filler. It is filler, but it's just for the line, which seems really relevant right now. But he blows up the cop and says, Some cops can be real assholes. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this movie padded. Actually, it is padded. You know it is because they use footage from previous movies. Uh, Lots the first of one. footage. Yeah. It's not just previous footage. It is alternate takes. It's cutting room floor yeah, stuff. I just don't, I don't... That's why when I'm watching and they have the scene where Mike is young and is in the car with Reggie in Reggie's uh, ice cream truck, that scene wasn't in the original movie. No, and then Mike whispers to him. But I'm like, what? If you took Wait, out the filler... so this is an outtake. Yeah, yeah, if you took out the filler cops he took out but unused footage this movie is maybe at best 60 minutes long it does explain more of the story and it's still it's like for everything they explain they add something new that you're like what no we're, we're yeah, almost yeah, back yeah. To, oh, all right let's rewind let's go back to being completely lost again you know that travel through time so what we're getting from this movie is that the tall man what 150 years ago like 1870 or something like that right he is jebediah whatever so mike is driving the hearse now tall man appears oh, Damn you to hell. Not possible. Where are you taking me? Where you belong. This experience may seem strange to you. This evolution as you prepare for passage. I still have a friend. He'll follow and find me. You have no one but me. There's a dream of the tall man that he has in the Civil War. And he's a doctor. And he wants to figure out what death is all about. And what life is all about. And he's just a Civil War doctor. So after the Civil War, there's this portal thing that Mike walks through and ends up in... It's like Tesla's lab. But it's not Tesla's lab. It is the tall man's lab. But he's not the tall man. He's just the original man that looks like the tall man. Do you think it's kind of funny how just the change of Angus Grimm's face... He can go from being a gentle old man to... Yeah, evil. Right, he's, he's so nice looking when he's Jebediah. He's so very gentle, you're right. He's just very accommodating. Just precious. It's a great actor, and I don't think anybody appreciated him. You want him to be your grandpa. You know what's funny is it shouldn't surprise me that J.J. Abrams was a fan, because if you look back, think about second season, he had Angus Scrim on an arc of Alias. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he plays like this interrogator to see if Sydney has been compromised. Oh, wow, that's cool. So yes, he loves the series. This actually might be influential on JJ's what's in the box thing and changing things <laughs> just on a whim to make it more mysterious like he did with yeah. Lost. But here's the problem. If you do a Phantasm series, you can't pull that same thing unless it's like, you know, some low-budget, independent, meant to have a small cult following who are okay with being frustrated because if he pulls the same thing, they're going to be like, oh, well, it's not the Lost. Let's not even bother watching it. Right, exactly. So you got to give us more with this. JJ, if you listen, yeah. I hope you listen. Please listen. If you listen, just make it better. Yeah, it don't make it like Supernatural, though, where it's just two guys hunt a freak of the week. Yeah. Jebediah is a nice old man who's a scientist who wants to figure out what death and life is all about so he makes the tuning fork portals also with him is the fortune teller lady i don't know if you noticed that no i mean i saw it but i didn't click in yeah she's the fortune teller lady and she just laughs gently at at mike so mike splits but sees a lot of dimension forks 
by this time when he gets back to where he's supposed to be, which is the desert. And Reggie, at this time, has been tailing a hot blonde. Of course. Who stops for a turtle in the road, but she stops too abruptly and flips her car. For a no-budget movie, that stunt was actually really good. Yep. So Reggie stops and helps her, and they hang out on the road and go to a motel eventually. <laughs> yeah, where she, where she takes a shower <laughs> and says no to him. Again, everybody says no to Reggie. Mike has an orb headache because he still has it. Yeah. He still has an orb head, right? So, but he has an orb headache. He develops his use of the Force, Star Wars. Yeah. And he kills a scorpion because what do you do when you learn how to use the Force? You crush things with it. He moves a rock and crushes a scorpion. Don't do that. The scorpion wasn't doing anything. Bummed me out, man. So then, as he's going through the canyon and all this stuff, these little tiny dwarf minions are kind of not exactly attacking him but following him so he just kills him a bunch with the force because that's a thing he can do he has a more of a dream that explains jebediah's whole alchemy of death thing but when jebediah went through the tuning forks he never came back something else did with his facade yes that was like oh so this nice guy who's just trying to figure things out dang turns into this big monster dude who and he, the big monster dude eventually has little little pinchers come out of his forehead did you remember that no i literally watched it last night why don't i remember this so mike makes an orb out of his car engine don't know how he does it he looks at the things and he's like i can do this yeah so he makes himself an orb which is rudimentary compared to the tall man's orb and stabs like a steampunk yes orb. stabs the tall man in the back of the head Tall Man has like a little pincher thing happen. Or maybe that might have been a different movie. These are now starting to all run together. (laughs) The end of this, the Tall Man takes the orb out of Mike's head. And Mike seems to be like, ow, that's it? Okay, we're good. Let's just, I mean, (laughs) how does his head just not cave in with that huge thing in there? Right, it was pretty big, right? It's like the biggest orb there is. But Reggie goes through the forks to kill the Tall Man, and that's the end. So it's a big cliffhanger. Sort of. What is revealed, though, is that when the Tall Man dies, and he is immediately replaced with a brand new Tall Man, you're like, hold, wait, what? So there really is no end. Because we've seen the Tall Man die. Second movie, the cremation fluids you know just yeah the the hydrochloric acid the third movie he's frozen and the ball burst out of his skull so that body's gone so clearly it it seems to be a whole world of balls with brains (laughs) in them that that can control things so maybe uh mike's a good ball and tall man's a bad ball and they're on this planet filled with balls and they just like fight with each other but they use these dwarves and balls they use the dwarves as their minions uh so maybe maybe this is about slavery maybe it's it's a metaphor yeah well it does have slavery they the Civil War? I mean, think about it. The tall man maybe represents the side that was wrong in, in keeping slaves and stuff like that. And Mike stands for the North, you know, trying to free the slaves or whatever. And they're fighting. They're just, it's like a little civil war between balls. Balls fighting each other. And the Walmart metaphor pans out as well and slavery and, and indentured servitude. Yeah. I mean, it could be even this. It could be any sort of like stuff like that where tall man uh, represents uh, big money, corruption. Mike stands for the little guy fighting with all the power that he has against the big guy to help people who are suffering from poverty and mike started off humble without an agenda with just innocence being corrupted really by witnessing this stuff yeah and so now he becomes the activist against because he's still holding on to that innocence wow there's a lot going on to me it's almost it I mean, you know when we started this podcast i was frustrated with the movie series but now that i know that it's almost like your own interpretation yeah you read into it what you want to hey you know what i'm now i'm back on board i'm ready for part five <laughs> i'm very surprised that I actually like this series because it's so troubled. It's 
so like unrefined i just wish writers like this who have the ideas could have somebody else to bounce them off of and have them get more and more refined and this is actually why i want jj to take this series and make something great out of it because you've already got ingredients for good he can even mine the other movies for ideas and concepts and just make references to them without pandering without you know being like nudge nudge here's a reference just yeah just make it completely great weird series and it has to be weird it can't be normal why is it do you think that don coscarelli struggles so much to get movies made because it feels like you know he did phantasm 2 and he did survival quest which is actually quite good and then nothing 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 phantasm 3 nothing 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 uh, nothing 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 phantasm 4 nothing 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 bubba hotep then a long gap wait wait masters of horror that's it incident on and off um, mountain road is great yep. that's really one of my favorite also ones. written by steve and... romano who did the cover for trash cinema oh really yeah he wrote that well that I not, really, not really, I really liked that episode. That was a really good episode. It was, and I think it's the first one. And then he did John Dies at the end, which I like. Um, I like that a it's lot. It's amazing, isn't it? It takes the, a lot of the concepts of what Phantasm, you know, mess with realities, make it a little bit ambiguous, you know, crazy monsters and stuff like that. And then just it feels like a fully gelled idea. Mind you, he did take it from a book, so the idea was already. He took it from a book written by cracked writer David Wong, who. If you've ever heard their podcast and David Wong shows up, he's good. He's really whip-smart dude. He writes regular articles, but he also writes books. This book is full of spiders. Is the sequel to John Dies at the End. And he knows what he's doing. So when you have a book that knows what it's doing, it's hard to destroy that. Oh, no. You it's can really... if you've seen Watchers. Dean Koontz. Anything with Dean Koontz's name on it is nothing like the book. <laughs> I should say, if you get a creative team in the filmmaking department who really cares about it, it's hard to destroy the thing. Yeah. David Wong likes it. He approves of it. So that's a good thing. It is. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Oh, I'm so sad. I don't know if I can, but I wish I could see the new one in theaters. It's coming soon. It's, it's a road show sort Yeah, of thing. and then it's going to be Ravager. BOD, and then it's going to be on home video. Uh, well, Go USA was brave enough to buy all of them. I don't know how they... They said they have all of them remastered. I don't understand how they got the rights to the second one, unless somehow Universal just said cool just license it from us because that doesn't sound right huh that's interesting maybe because you know they're like jj maybe <laughs> well yeah. J- oh, okay you jj do, you do a movie for us yeah. you're not doing any more star wars are you all right come over and do a conan the barbarian for us or something you know i don't know <laughs> i just hope jj does something really great with the rest of the series uh, and coscarelli lets him we'll see and if not at least we do get the remastered versions and we get the yeah. next chapter at least that now i hope the next chapter this last thing ravager which wasn't directed by him but it was written by him finishes off this version of the story wait what did you don coscarelli's not directing ravager no he didn't direct it in fact ravager started as a web series following oh, the exploits of reggie as he's on the road looking for mike or something like you know episode three and it started to develop into a bigger thing huh. and when it developed into a bigger thing uh, well they shot it digitally mostly if not totally i imagine everything's shot digitally now so. yeah i mean it, they can make it a whole lot cheaper you're right directed by david harbin now why did coscarelli not want to do this it's so strange i don't know but it stars the same cast all right everybody so that brings us to the end of this episode hey, mike out on Facebook. wait what michael what so you suggest watching this yes hell yes i do all right 
I do too. I suggest if you're patient as well, you should watch this. If you're not patient, well, that's your problem. Oh, you could be a patient boy. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep my face like this. Andrew, you play a good game. But the game is up. Yeah, that's the I phrase. can't get the voice, but I can get the cadence. <laughs> Check us out on Facebook under Video Night, boy. <laughs> I got a headache from squinting so hard. Holy crap. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Wang Chung tonight. You know, whatever. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Video Night. My life has meaning now.